The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. The opportunity, the actual bona fide opportunity to get the number one overall pick in the NFL draft is here. We did it. We did it, Joe. The Bears are a half game behind the Houston Texans. Or ahead of the Houston Texans, depending on how you want to think about it. (laughs) For the number one overall pick. Think about what that would be. Someone is going to decide that either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is the life-changing quarterback of their franchise's future. And then what you could do with that number one pick? Holy hell! You can either have the washer and dryer with enough of the Smithers is standing, or you can trade it all in for what's in this box. The box. The box. As a fan, you should want it. You should want At this point, you are there. There has to be those conversations that have gone on. I think there was a committee that was going to decide whether or not Justin Fields played Mm. prior to the bye week. And so the assumption would be that that same committee is there having those cloak and dagger like conversations about what the expectations are, the hopes for the Chicago Bears. But again, I don't think, I think they understand they've already weakened the team enough. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! One, two, three. And here we go, Jeff. Here we go. Here we go, Jeff. Here we go, Tony. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Good afternoon and welcome into Parkins and Spiegel. On 670, the score. It's a holiday week if you're out there working just like normal. Right there with you, we are. Let's have ourselves a work afternoon. If you are off for some sort of extended holiday-esque vacation here in the nether regions where it taint Christmas and it taint New Year's just yet, so you're right in between and you're enjoying some radio and your little downtime well, welcome in as well. Matt Spiegel and Adam Hogue from CHGO, but really from the score from everywhere. Adam Hogue, damn it, the Hogue and Johns podcast, and seriously, like CBS2, WGN-TV. <laughs> when, I, when I go through the litany, that's a lot of different local employers that have had the value of your services. I so. mean, if I were to look at my resume at this point, I'd wonder what's wrong. <laughs> Maybe you're just running for uh, a Republican seat in Congress from Long Island. Maybe that's yeah. Just that's made all it, it all up. Just made it every si- yep every single stop. How about, how about that guy? Huh? Oh, yeah. Woo. But anyway, go ahead. I, well, I wonder more. How is that possible? That how does no one check on that? I, I, no, do we do our jobs anymore? No, I am hired a coach like that. I mean, I know that's 15, 20 years ago, George O'Leary. Yeah, but at least he was like a coach that people knew. <laughs> I mean, there was no. a, there was a lie on there. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Nobody checks. Nobody yeah. checks. Dude ran for Congress, got six hundred thousand dollars for his campaign from yeah. his own company which may or may not be funded by some kind of weird-ass things and lied about everything, and here he is. Just come on in, everybody. Could you imagine if there was like a D2 quarterback that's like all of a sudden, this is the hot prospect this year in the draft. He threw for, you know, 500 
or 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, and everyone just goes along with it. And then, like, the Jets draft him, and then it comes out that actually he wasn't even on a team. So, you know what? You've just stumbled <laughs> on a great topic, my friend. I guess we stumbled there together. The greatest sports uh, pretenders Ooh. like that, you know? Sports imposters like that. I mean, there have been a, a few different things that have happened historically. Well, because you, as you're talking about it, first I'm thinking of Leon Sandcastle, that great campaign mm-hmm. where Deion Sanders went back to college and was pretending to be a guy named Leon Sandcastle who had incredible measurables for the combine. Yeah. That yeah, was that's, fun. I mean, I think there's probably not a whole lot of like real examples like George O'Leary where you brought up where someone actually lied I bet there are some I think there's plenty of examples where like somebody's accomplishments got blown up and like became you could almost argue that with Matt Nagy right like like you kind of <laughs> it kind of like became bigger than you really right. thought it was yeah, and like it, in hindsight you're like well maybe he didn't deserve Sure. All that praise. But I'm I'm thinking of full on liar. Okay. Full on like either fake resume or yeah. fake um fake college transcript. I don't know how I feel that my list of jobs started this whole thing. <laughs> it, it now I'm starting to question my own like it was, did, did, did I really live this No, life? it was my okay. haphazard George Santos reference because I happened to read the news this morning on a, on a couple of different things. But now you got me thinking. Do you know about Rosie Ruiz? You know who Rosie Ruiz is? Anybody? No. Rosie Ruiz won the Boston Marathon, okay? But she won it because she got on the subway at one point. She she literally, look her up for oh, me, I vaguely studs. remember this. This happened when I was a kid. Okay. But like she, 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 she got on, it's the T in Boston, like it's the L here. She got on the T and took a shortcut in, a, in her marathon outfit and then got off and re-entered the race and won out of nowhere. So that, I mean, that's brilliant, and I, I think she should get credit. <laughs> she did April, for a April while. April 21st, 1980. Okay. Had a time of 231.56, uh-huh. which is which is pretty damn good. Pretty damn good for a marathon. You're a runner, studs. You know, it's so, and, and she did this. At the time, the world's re- women's world record was probably right around there, maybe even not that good. What else did she do though? Because like I feel like the subway would have knocked off so much time that she had to stall mm. somewhere that else. Was, that was the third fastest marathon time in history for a woman, <laughs> and it was suspicious immediately because it was a twenty-five minute improvement over her New York City marathon <laughs> that same year. I didn't remember so that. Something's detail. fishy here. So See, fishy. and I would I would have thought she that, took the train. See, and I think the New York subway is faster. So. Really, it should have been faster in the, in the New York one. <laughs> right, exactly. But she just knew Boston better and the, and the routes uh, mapped up. All right, but I like this. So okay. let's let this be a thread that kind of oh. goes through the show. Okay? What, are you seeing some good ones yeah. now? Manti Teo. Oh, my God. Now, that's, that's sad, not though. really a sports. Did you, did you watch that documentary? Oh, it was great. I thought it was great, and I felt I felt really bad for him. Yeah, I frankly. did, too. He was a, a, a guy who lived a very sheltered life, who didn't, didn't really know how uh, a social interaction might happen outside of, of media like yeah. that, outside of social media, and got, got played. Here's why the documentary is so good. Because mm-hmm. anybody who knows anything about that story always asks the question. I was actually working here when that all happened, and I never forget when that Deadspin story came out. Yeah. How much we were scrambling and being like, wait, what? 
How does this happen? Well, that documentary answers that question. And, it, and by the end of it, you're like, oh, I can kind of see how that happened. I, you, you can, you can kind of see it. Somebody yeah. who was in love with him and didn't want to out themselves. It's like watching the original movie Catfish. And then, of course, all the different yeah. uh, you know, a, 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 the bits of episodic TV that, that followed it. I um, still love that Manti Teo started for the Bears in a playoff game. <laughs> that happened. Nobody remembers that. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> That's it's amazing. <laughs> linebackers, one of those spots, uh, Adam. You know it. Teams aren't investing in linebackers like they used to. You know, one of our big fact finding missions during the couple weeks of uh, of hey, let's compare Justin Fields to Jalen Hurts and what the Eagles did, or let's compare Justin Fields to what Josh Allen and the Bills did. One of the things that has stuck with me is that Howie Roseman doesn't invest in linebackers. Yeah. In Philly, he doesn't. They, they invest money and draft capital in offensive line and defensive line and wide receivers, stuff like that, but, but linebackers. And the more I've thought about it, I don't know, man. You see a Jack Sanborn, you think about all these different like fourth or fifth round, Adam Kwiatkowski, not Adam Kwiatkowski, Nick Kwiatkowski, um, these different people like, well, I'm not drafted until the fourth or fifth round, but, you know, pretty good instincts. That guy could play for me. It's just it, the game has evolved a little bit in that way. Yeah, and the Eagles actually found a similar Wisconsin linebacker in TJ Edwards that they paid last year, but they're not paying him $100 million. They're paying him a very reasonable amount of money. And, to they, just, and, and, and so the thinking is they're like, that's what the Bears can do with Sanborn, and maybe they can find another one of those guys. And they didn't pay TJ Edwards. They didn't pay him. He was on a rookie deal. Right. Right? They that, did. Yes, he was already on the – because he was undrafted too – uh, just like Sanborn was, so yeah. he was kind of going along the you get three year a three year deal and then restricted free agency, and they just took care of it ahead of time. They gave him a contract extension, but it wasn't for uh, it wasn't an outrageous amount of money like the Bears would have to pay. Yeah, Roquan Smith. I still think there are players though that transcend that that are still worth paying as linebackers. Yeah, a full time linebacker. I just It'd be an interesting. I mean, look, I, I love watching Bobby Wagner. I love watching Fred Warner. I did love watching Roquan, and I'm sure that the, the folks in Baltimore are are seeing it uh, now. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a full time linebacker, somebody that you'd pay like that, it's a pretty small list, isn't it? Yeah, I just think that there are ebbs and flows in football, and different positions becoming more important based on what schemes are being run. And yeah. there's always it always bends one way or the other. And these these fads only end up lasting three or four seasons before the next successful team comes up with the thing that counters that. All right. So, so wh- all I'm saying is I think there will be a time where these linebackers will matter again, just like they did when Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs were running around. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. While people are texting in with their sports fakers, their sports imposters, and we'll compile that list and just kind of weave it in throughout the uh, certainly throughout the first hour and maybe throughout the show. We'll do some White Sox at the top of the hour. Um, and we'll do some Bulls later on with Will Gottlieb. Uh, James Fegan will be at the top of the hour. Paul Charchian in the 5 o'clock hour. But wide-ranging conversation with a, a guy I love to talk to and Adam Hogue. Um, you just took us somewhere. L- let's do it right now, you and me on the spot. Most important positions in football. I want to rank the top seven most important positions. If you are building a winner, where you have to be great. We know number one is quarterback. Quarterback. What's I would- number two? I right now, probably put pass rusher second. So edge rusher or just yeah. pass rusher? Yeah, just in general, having one of those. It's probably an edge rusher, but yeah, having that transcendent player who can consistently get after the quarterback. If quarterback's the most important, then uh-huh. whoever defends the quarterback should be second. So you're saying you'd rather have Von Miller in his prime than Aaron Donald in his prime? Um, 
Or is Aaron Donald one of those guys that transcends? I think that's a rare player that if you have Aaron Donald, you can get away with not having Von Miller on the edge. Although they ended up having both. And having, but that's Bowl. how you win so a Super Bowl. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I would say I would say if you're asking if he, if I had to pick between the two, I would pick an end, an, you, edge, you would. an edge rusher. You yeah. would. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you'd go edge edge rusher two, um, and then three. These days in the NFL, Tack, uh, offensive tackle, the guy that has to stop the pass rusher, still, huh? Yeah. Okay. See, that, it's interesting. I mean, look, I love a a great left tackle. I I love watching Trent Williams work. Uh, when when the Dolphins don't have Teron Armstead, they're a, a different a different entity. But we are looking at a day three tackle in this town who started all year long, every single play. He's the only guy to play every single play of the entire season is Braxton Jones. Yeah, but he's far from a lockdown left for, tackle for sure. For sure. He, maybe he can get there. I know Corey Wooten, who who does our shows with us at CHGO, sees a lot of David Bakhtiari in him. Yeah. A, a, a guy that was a later-round pick that that really just needed a season to get more strength and go mm-hmm. through an NFL offseason. Remember, this guy was playing at Southern Utah last year. I mean, I can't imagine hey a 1-10 in 10 Southern Utah Dude, team jumping to the NFL. He was two-time first-team All-Big Sky, yeah. Adam. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking about the— Two-time, dude! <sighs> Which is more than I can say, you know. <laughs> no, but I hear you. You're right. right. I so, mean, just, so if he gets stronger, we know he's smart. We know he's got the work ethic. We know he's quick, and I think he can move. I think he's shown that. Yep. But it's not going to be perfect. And and then he and he has struggled with uh, bull rushes at times. So yeah, I think I think that there's. I, I like Braxton Jones for the future. Uh huh. But yeah, that's I put third okay. as the tackle. You put tackle third. See, I I think I might have gone number one wide receiver third. What do you think about that? Okay. How crazy is that? Well, that's where I go next. Do you go wide receiver? So you, you go wide receiver fourth? Wide receiver or corner, depending on which way you want to go. True shutdown cover corner. If I offered you uh, Sauce Gardner um, or Jamar Chase right now, what makes your life easier as a foot NFL head coach? I think most coaches would probably answer Sauce. Because if you have that rare corner who can take out Jamar Chase, yeah. you're just dictating so much of the game. It, it, it frees you up defensively, doesn't it? it? It really does. I mean, because now if you can really shut them down one-on-one, which is so hard to do, now you got... I mean, you've essentially eliminated their best weapon without having to use two guys, and you're still free on the rest of that defense mm-hmm. to stop whatever other elements that you have to... to um, to combat, and really, there's not a lot of those guys that can really do that. I mean, there's really only like three or four. All right, so would you go shut down, cover corner, true shut down, cover corner, fourth, before you go wide receiver? I think so. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I tend to skew defense, though, in, in general, so what, maybe that's why. What did you coach this year? At, at Carmel Special, or Mount Carmel? Uh, at Carmel Catholic and Mundelein. Carmel Catholic yeah. and Mundelein. Special team. So okay. obviously I go punter next, <laughs> and then long snapper. The longtime Ray guy guy. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously a Patrick Manley guy. I mean, because who isn't, really? All right, so you go shut down, cover corner four, and then wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah? Am I, I missing so. anything? Well, if you can, if you have a Travis Kelsey. You got, have you got a real outrageous I, weapon like that at tight end? I, I could... I could live in a world where I put where I put Kelsey ahead because if you have that guy who can also block and, and be reliable as a blocker 
and it's such a mismatch because those tight ends they go up against they're not going up against your number one corner. Mm. That's how you avoid the Sauce Gardner matchup. Right, you right, have that right. tight end. You have tight end who's going against a slot corner or yeah. going against a safety. Or going against linebackers sometimes. Yeah. People who are not designed to cover you. But this is exactly what gets back to what started this whole discussion was like the ebbs and flows of how offenses attack defenses and then the defenses attack offenses. Like right now we're back to the old Tampa two days. Yeah. When we were just in this long range of Legion of Boom, cover one, cover three, all this and 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 it's it keeps going back and forth because and that's what's great about football. Right. Right. And but with that comes this position matters more than the others. I think the first four we mentioned are always going to be at the top. Quarterback, edge rusher, left tackle, yeah, and shut down corner. I think so. I think those are always your top four, depending no matter what. Maybe that last one with corner you can debate. Um I think wide receiver one is 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 fifth. Yeah. I I, I think I think it is top okay. five yeah. um these days. I think I mean, you can look at, man, the more I think about how the Minnesota Vikings are actually where they are with a five-point differential between points scored and points given up, and what are they? Are they 11-3? and three? Yeah. Or are they 12-3? and 12-3 and three now. They're 12-3 yeah. and three with a yeah. five-point yeah. differential. The more I think about them, the more I wonder... How much Justin Jefferson matters when you think of like the plays that he has made, the coverage that he dictates, the confidence that he gives Cousins, just like the effect, the terror that he strikes in the hearts of defenses. My God. To me, he's the best example of just always open right now. And I think he's helping out Kirk Cousins so much. I am way against, I, I am so far against Kirk Cousins being in. Uh, the Pro Bowl. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, you talk to people in Minnesota, and they're like, he's not even having that good of a year. Um, they're not even that enamored with the offense as a whole up there. And uh, there was one throw the other day. I was watching the Vikings game. Justin Jefferson was so open. He didn't have anybody around him like within 10 yards, and Kirk Cousins somehow threw the ball on the ground short where he couldn't get it. Yeah. Uh, brutal. <laughs> but... He's got Justin Jefferson. But, so. but there they are. All right, yeah. no, I'm fascinated with that ebb and flow as, as well. Blood, Sweat, and Chalk by Tim Layden is yeah. one of my favorite sports books of all time. You know, it, you know, kind of chasing that lineage and chasing the coaching trees in that way. So here we are with Justin Fields. The way that the Bills played him, to me, was similar to what we've now seen. I think since the Atlanta game where there's like a mesh. It, it, Justin said it himself. It's a mesh charge yes. on, the, on, that, on that zone read. Mm-hmm. And then and Wani sat here and talked about it with us. Get your, your secondary playing quarters coverage. So you're splitting the field into fourths and just having guys stay at home yeah. there and be ready to pounce should Justin run into their area. Yeah, and the Bears don't have that elite number one wide receiver that can find that open space in there consistently where Justin can go to him in a split second and no. Um, and that mess charge thing is, I think is a, uh, a luxury that opposing defenses have on the bears right now, just because there's not enough to worry about across the whole field. Eventually they got to the point, And I think the Falcons were really the first team that really pushed this on the bears a few weeks ago. Um, at least that's the first time I really remember Fields openly right after the game yep, talking about too. that mess charge, which me is too. which is just look. It, it, there's they finally figured out. I mean, he's the guy to worry about. Yeah. That's that's the guy you have to worry about. And so if you just take out that element and make it more confusing over whether he's giving or keeping the ball, then then that's it. Now the counter for the Bears would be 
you know, have that elite guy where then you get away from the zone read stuff and then you just, you know, you got to make defense think about the next thing. Uh-huh. But they don't really have that right now. So this is the value of A.J. Brown to Jalen Hurts is that he can either fake those on an, on an RPO when it's yeah. like I could do the zone read or I could just throw my quick slant to A.J. Brown and get 11 every single time. Yeah. Right? Or, or just in general with it, and this is probably a simpler thing to, for most to understand, is just if you're going to spy the quarterback – well, now you've taken a linebacker off worrying about other things, and right now the Bears don't have enough to counter that. Mm-hmm. So I saw the Bills doing both the mess charge. They had him, they had him spied a lot. They had an extra guy coming over when he. Tra- That's why they did such a good job at, at when Justin did try to run the other day. There just there wasn't anywhere to go. Yeah, and he probably should have handed it off more than he did. Yeah, probably right because of all those times that he kept it. A lot of those times they just kept like stretching it out wider yeah. and wider and wider, and then all of a sudden he's out of bounds. Um, we'll do White Sox at the top of the hour, but we're uh, compiling your suggestions for sports imposters. I want to look at that and uh, the awkwardness of the tank discussion as it may or may not have been happening this weekend and previous weeks at Hallis Hall. We'll get to all that. He's Adam Hogan for Danny Parkins. It's Parkins and Spiegel on the score.